when you get an eviction, you know, this piles up. It makes it harder for you to rent at another place. It costs you more to live the poorer you are. We're seeing these large property management companies take this money and then turn around and continue eviction processes. We had to leave, and so up until April of last year to October, I was homeless. Up until um, from April to September, my daughter and my son, who's a single parent of a daughter, he's still homeless. Doors removed off of people's homes. We're seeing people being locked out. St. Louis, as a city, does not need another wave of homelessness. I'm Sarah Fenske. This is St. Louis on the Air. most troubled apartment complexes in the metro area lies just east of the River De Pair in the city's Carondelet neighborhood. This low-income housing complex was previously known as Southwest Crossing. Owners TEH Realty came under fire for horrible living conditions, and after tenants went public with their concerns, the ownership group came under fire. The firm's managing partner was eventually slapped with felony fraud charges, and TEH was run out of town. Now, the apartments have now been rebranded as the fountains at Carondelet. They're managed now by the local Sansone group, but tenants say the problems continue. We're allowing these tenants to speak without their names being used because they fear reprisal from the management company. But one told us this about the apartment's roach infestation. I sleep with cotton in my ear. I have pictures of bugs crawling in my coffee cup. I have to shake my coat before I go outside. I have to shake my shoe before I go outside. Another tenant says she's lived on site about six years. She said Sansone Group has been making big changes to fix up the property, but she said she does not feel safe. The hallways are not lit up. There's, you walk around, you see syringes on the ground where people throw their stuff down. Uh, people, homeless people living in the empty apartments. I, I so much as threw a lot of them out of my hallway because they go in the hallways. I mean, I found somebody out there shooting up with a needle in my hallway. And <laughs> it's just ridiculous. There's no security. They're not doing nothing for the people that has been here and, and hung on do all this. Now that second tenant says she's lost most of her income during the pandemic. She's now two months behind on rent and she worries about eviction. I offered them $800 and she told me that that wasn't good enough. Hmm. That I had to pay it down to zero. And I was like, well, well that's not happening. <laughs> not right now anyway. So I, I, I gave them $400 for January. I'm not giving them nothing else. If I, whatever I'm giving them is not going to help me, then I'm going to put that back. Because if they have, I mean, if I eventually get put out, I'm going to need it. I am not going to give you $800 and then next month you put me out. 
Now, the city has an eviction moratorium in place through March 1st. It does not forgive rent. It only postpones it coming due. Tenants will have to pay up all they owe once the moratorium ends. And the Sansone Group has been sending eviction letters, residents told us. They sent me an um, eviction letter, and it said for 2200 but... A month ago, she had it up to 3000 So I have these letters where she's rent is going up and down, up and down, up and down, and I'm not getting what's going on. And then she has a termination letter telling me to vacate the premises. And I wasn't even a month late then when she told me that. Now, attorney Lee Camp of Arch City Defenders has been on site. He's trying to assist residents, and he gave us his take on the situation. Despite trying to work towards finding some sort of global solution for the tenants living here, it's difficult because they all have, you know, fact-specific cases. You know, some are behind on rent because they lost their job during the pandemic. Some have withheld rent because of the conditions in these home, in their homes. Um, some are just living, you know, paycheck to paycheck and dealing with the burdens that poverty puts on individuals. And so every situation is different. Um, what isn't different is that the landlord can quickly evict these people <laughs> um, and there's a new landlord who is ready to make this property nicer and et cetera, presumably. Um, and sometimes it's easier, and we've seen this happen multiple times with distressed properties, it's easier to clear people out, get in and do your work, and then re-let the property once you can raise the rents and make more money and it becomes an, an asset that produces more for your investment, really. And that is attorney Lee Camp. Now, we do want to note we reached out to the Sansone Group three different times. We invited them on the show. We also offered to read a statement. We did not hear back. And so joining us today to talk about this situation is Kennard Williams. He is the lead organizer with Action St. Louis. Kennard, welcome. Hey, Sarah. Thanks for having me here today. So what do you see as the biggest concerns at the fountains at Carondelet going forward? Um, the biggest concerns that we're seeing there right now is uh, the this push of eviction for a lot of tenants that are living there. Um, as you heard in the piece before, like the pandemic has kept going and people have still been facing these economic hardships. And at the same time, we're still seeing people having evictions filed against them. Uh, we're still seeing people uh, having eviction threats uh, uh, levied against them. And uh, another issue is repairs being leveraged for rent. So a lot of tenants who are there are, you know, in situations where they've, you know, reported these problems to the management company and, you know, rats, roaches, things like that, mold, and they have all gotten like the same response. Well, if you give us some money, well, maybe we'll take a look at it. So tell me how this works. We're in an eviction moratorium. Um, you know, this is the, the law of the land right now, in addition to being the, lo the law in the city. Can a landlord hold that over their head and say, I'm not going to fix these conditions if you don't make good on this rent that under the eviction moratorium, they're not allowed to be evicted for not paying? No. Uh, landlords still have the responsibility of upkeeping uh, the property that people are living on and people have a right to live in dignity. And what we've seen in this situation is uh, not that. Uh, we've seen, you know, people in these situations, they've tried to make arrangements. People have done it the way that, you know, you're supposed to try to make arrangements with the landlord, try to 
say, hey, I can make this much, you know, for rent. And still people are getting these letters threatening evictions. And, you know, they're not coming in like small numbers. Like just a couple of weeks ago, there were about six or seven people who had evictions filed there. And, and, and when you up. say an eviction is filed, what does that mean during, again, this, this period of supposed moratorium? So, yeah, with the moratoriums, uh, the way those work is that, you know, you're still responsible for uh, the tenants still responsible for paying their rent. However, uh, the eviction itself cannot be executed by the sheriff's office. Um, and locally, we have the, a moratorium in the city and nationally we have the federal moratorium. Um, now, the dates on those are different. The local moratorium uh, ends at the end of February and the federal moratoriums end at the end of March. However, the local moratoriums provide a lot more protections for people in a lot of situations that are, you know, like they could be in a situation where they have a predatory landlord where they don't have a lease, where people have these like ramshackle leases that have full of like, you know, holes all across them. Mm -hmm. But those people are often protected by these local moratoriums. And without that, a lot of people you know, will be left vulnerable and facing eviction. So with these moratoriums in place and this this group, the Sandstone Group, still going ahead and sending these letters, is it your sense they're just trying to get their ducks in a row so they can act quickly when and if this moratorium gets lifted? Certainly. Um, what we're seeing, you know, you have to think of it as since last March, um, evictions have still gotten filed. So while they haven't been executed, think of this as a balloon that's been filling up. And without any sort of stimulus or anything passed for people to be able to pay this rent and for adequate systems of rental assistance to come in, uh, people are kind of left in the wind. So this balloon keeps filling up. And, and when these moratoriums, if they run out, a lot of people will be left vulnerable and won't have an option because people can't afford to pay rent right now because of the economic hardships happening. Mm. I also want to talk about these conditions that uh, these tenants say they're experiencing and that I know you've witnessed there. Um, one tenant that our producer talked to suggested that attempts to fix up the property are actually making things worse for current tenants, that, that things are blowing around, that, it, you know, walls being torn out, that this is causing even more problems. Is that your sense of things? Uh, the, the, the common problem is that people are really wanting things fixed. Um, you know, people haven't, have been begging, like, you know, there's folks who have holes in their ceiling, uh, mold growing out of these holes, you know, they've got roaches and mice all over the place. Mm. And, you know, some people sleep with their hat on because of this. And, you know, they've begged and pleaded to get repairs done and to have things fixed. And that hasn't happened. And it looks pretty clear that they intend to push out a lot of the people who have been living there and have been longtime residents. And in this situation, we got to look at who is being pushed out. And that is a lot of poor tenants who are living there, people who don't have another place to go, people who are already paying more than what somebody would normally be paying because maybe they have had an eviction on their record. And that's another piece is that when you get an eviction, you know, this piles up. It makes it harder for you to rent at another place. It costs you more to live the poorer you are. Mm -hmm. But so Sandstone Group might want to get these units fixed up and be able to rent them to somebody who'd pay even more than what you feel like is, is uh, already over market, what some of these tenants are paying. Definitely. That and what we're seeing is uh, a gravitation of who's being 
pulled into the complex now, which is a lot of younger black families. So, you know, when you think about things like, you know, Sansone receiving, you know, these PPP funds for the coronavirus relief, they took about two to five million dollars somewhere in there. They're taking federal tax dollars for aid and assistance that was meant for small businesses to keep, you know, shops on the corner alive. And we're seeing these large property management companies take this money and then turn around and continue eviction processes against people. So, you know, they understand, you know, the situation with hardship, but will not extend that same grace to people who are living in these properties. And we do want to remind our listeners, we reached out to the Sandstone Group uh, on multiple occasions. We did invite them to be on the show or to share a statement. We did not hear back on that. Now, Kennard, you're working with attorneys like Lee Camp, who's with Arch City Defenders, and he told us a bit about the role that he sees himself having on site. So there's really, that's where the rub lies, is the financial investment that was made by this landlord versus all of these people who have lived here for so long that deal with various different issues, a lot of them poverty-based issues, um, you know, and they're the ones that almost every time are the forgotten voice at the table as the city comes in and restructures something or a bank comes in to finance a deal. The tenants are hardly ever at that table and we try to at least help give them a voice at that table or we provide legal support to organizers that really try to lift up their voices. And Kennard, Lee Camp there, he mentioned the city. Did they have a say in what happens with this particular property, the, the fountains at Carondelet at this point? I mean, you know, it kind of depends on, you know, who's in charge. Like, you know, it could be easy for the city to really crack down on them for some of these conditions, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, there's been situations of, you know, trash all over the place. Some people have, you know, ceilings caving in. These are things that are property, you know, uh, building code violations that, you know, a normal uh, person, if you owned a house and you had these things visibly wrong with your house, you would get fined into next Tuesday for. Mm -hmm. So you'd like to see, you feel like the city has some room where they could, they could force changes and force better living conditions here. There is, there, the city does have room that they can do that. In addition, the courts have room that they can do to save a lot of people from facing these kind of situations. And with the organizing that you've been doing and the work that Lee has been doing on site, have you guys attempted to make them aware of just how bad you feel the situation is there? Definitely. Like we've, uh, like now you're hearing this story, but this has been elevated over a sustained period of time. This has continued going on even through different owners that we're still seeing this. So, you know, it's kind of like the Wild West right now, considering, you know, there's a pandemic and there's not as much oversight on a lot of these uh, landlords and property management companies. We're seeing issues pop up all over the place. Our guest today is Kennard Williams. He's a lead organizer with Action St. Louis. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here, but we're going to come back and continue to talk to Kennard more about these issues and about um, issues facing renters all over the city. And we want to invite you to join this conversation. If you're dealing with problems in a rental housing situation during this pandemic, uh, we'd be interested in hearing from you. Give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also tweet us at STL on air. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU.
now back to our conversation. My guest is Kennard Williams. He's a lead organizer with Action St. Louis. We've been talking a lot about the fountains at Carondelet, which is one of the most troubled housing complexes in the city. It's under new management, but residents are still not happy with this new management. We heard a really interesting thing. This is from a listener named Mario. He says the fountains was once a really nice apartment complex. A few Cardinals players lived there. Joaquin Andujar was one of the most prominent. That's a very interesting footnote there. And Kennard, I'm actually going to go to the phones here. Uh, we have Kimberly calling. I believe she's actually calling from the fountains at Carondelet. Um, Kimberly, hi. You're on St. Louis on the Air. Hi, how are you? Thank you for joining us. Uh, Kimberly, what's been your situation there? Oh, roaches. My son is, my, my son is sick. Um. Kimberly, um, uh, unfortunately, we were having some some problems with that call there, but it sounds like Kimberly is confirming uh, what we heard from the residents that we spoke with when we were there. Um, and and uh, Kennard, I'm told this is somebody that you actually helped there on the ground. Is that voice uh, that as quickly as we were able to hear it? Did that sound familiar? Definitely. Yeah, uh, that was one of the tenants that we have been working with, and yeah, like she's calling to confirm the same things, like. Again, the conditions with the rodents, the roaches, mold, and other serious, like, repair conditions. Like, there's been stories of people who've had their water service disrupted, and, you know, they've tried to elevate that to them, and, you know, they've been told, oh, well, that's the city's issue. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a common uh problem that we're hearing out of here is just like all of these conditions complaints from everybody and from the folks that we've talked to everybody has said that they have either had their rent leverage for repairs or know of it happening to other tenants regularly hmm. i want to go back to the phone lines we have a caller who i believe uh really wants to be anonymous here but this sounds like a call worth taking um hi you're on st louis on the air Hi, I was just going to say that what's happening here in St. Louis with the Samsung Group is not is not com- uh, I mean, it's not uncommon, especially during this time. Um, I just came back to Missouri because um, I was lucky enough to get a um, uh, housing through NECAC. However, in uh, where I came from in Georgia, the Yes community out of Cobb County, they came last year, and um, even though the uh, sheriffs are not supposed to evict you. They came and they threatened us to get out. And mm. so it was myself and my uh, two adult children and, and their children, three small children. We had to leave. And so up until April of last year to October, I was homeless. Up until um, from April to September, my daughter and my son, who's a single parent of a daughter, he's still homeless because there's no help for single-parent males with female daughters, and I filed a complaint with HUD, and there's nothing being done to this yes community. You well, know, I, um, I am so sorry to hear about that experience. And, and Kennard, again, I think this comes as a surprise to so many people. We've been told these eviction moratoriums are in place, um, and yet it sounds like there's ways that landlords have, have found to get around that. Yeah, that's been a recurring problem. Uh, so the moratoriums uh, give tenants protection for non-payment of rent, uh, although there have been situations of landlords uh, suing for other things just for possession of the apartment, just to get a tenant out. Like, you know, just putting aside the fact that there's a pandemic right now, that there's a blizzard right now, you know, like we've seen a lot of different changes in these strategies from, you know, 
just like this kind of thing where you see people being threatened and having suits filed against them and pushed out in bulk, which there are still bulk filers putting in, you know, sometimes up to like 30 people's names in to go through these eviction filings. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at the same time, you know, we're seeing this, but then, you know, we're still seeing plenty of illegal lockouts. We're seeing doors removed off of people's homes. We're seeing people being locked out. And it's like a common problem, and there hasn't been any sort of enforcement remedy for it. You say illegal lockouts. I mean, these are clearly contrary to the law. We're contrary to the law even before we had an eviction moratorium. When people are dealing with this and and they're trying to get somebody in law enforcement or city government to care, has anybody been willing to take action to say, hey, you're not allowed to do this to your tenant? Uh, We don't have any sort of strong protections around that. Uh, In the city, like, you know, the most a person can do oftentimes in this situation is maybe call the sheriff's office and they may come out. But, you know, we've tried to bring that up with the sheriff, Vernon Betts, and Mm -hmm. he's refused to follow up with us, refused to talk about this. So we're kind of seeing people left alone to deal and navigate with these situations outside of the Housing Defense Collective. I'm going to go back to the phone lines. Brandon is calling from Wildwood. Um, Brandon, hi. You're on St. Louis on the Air. Hi. Hello there. So uh, the problem that I've observed with Missouri is that tenant rights uh, in Missouri are not quite as strong as most other states. You know, so things like mold and repairs and stuff like that, these, these landlord companies can can facilitate the ability to charge back renters for the stuff that they should be taking care of mm-hmm. because of the laws that are in place currently. And, and Brandon, your sense is that other states do have better protections for this. Yeah. So, for example, I'm, I, I'm originally from Texas, and in Texas, the, the renters' policies would uh, force these, these property management companies to take care of issues that concern mold, uh, that concern power, uh, there, you know, it, during specific times of cold weather, uh, they would be forced to uh, take over electricity and subsidize, subsidize those things. I mean, there were a lot of, of tenant protection programs uh, where I was originally from that don't exist here. Hmm. Brandon, thank you for that perspective. That, that's super helpful. And, and Kennard, I know this is an issue that you're really interested in. In fact, the St. Louis Housing Defense Collective recently hosted a virtual town hall focused on the idea of a tenant's bill of rights. Would that address some of the things like Brandon is describing? That, that other states apparently do have these protections. Certainly. Uh, we don't have a tenant bill of rights in St. Louis, and we've been advocating for one. We've started kind of generating this conversation with folks in the community about the need for this. And this situation that we're in right now with the pandemic and people facing uh, homelessness is ripe for the passage of actual strong legislation. And when I say that, I don't mean, you know, just like, Uh, a weak kind of thing that addresses, you know, some pieces of this. We need Mm -hmm. strong legislation that has input from the community and can actually work to protect people from a lot of these situations. As we know, sorry, go ahead. Oh, uh, I was just going to say, are you looking for this on the city or county level, or is this something where the state uh, would need to get involved? Um, We need it at all levels, really. Um, And, you know, as far as, you know, the state being involved, that's something that we have not seen much of (laughs) at all throughout the entire pandemic. You know, we have a state legislature that has decided to spend its time on everything but keeping people in their homes in the face of this. So with the state, as as you say, this is not tops on their agenda. Is that why you're looking at the, the county, looking at maybe the city to pick up this ball and run with it? Yes, because people are paying the price for this every single day. 
Well, this is such a troubling problem. And, you know, when our producer was at the fountains at Carondelet the other day, uh, she did talk to Lee Camp of Arch City Defenders. He had some interesting words. He shared his hopes for one of the tenants we spoke to, but he also offered a real word of warning. I hope that she makes it through this pandemic stably and safely housed. I mean, this is not the Taj Mahal, but it's a roof. Um, and right now that's an imperative. The only real medicine other than the vaccine right now that's successful to individuals is to stay at home. Um, so it makes sense for her to be able to remain in her home right now. Um, but she's like so many in our community, you know, thousands of people in the state, hundreds of thousands of people, well, in the city and then hundreds of thousands around the state that will be really facing this dilemma of when the pandemic is gone, work's not back and money's not there set aside in a savings account to catch up on rental arrears and whatnot. So um, really, you know, I've, I've described this as a house of cards that begins to fall and it's going to fall and disproportionately impact low-income renters that live in places like this. That is Lee Camp of Arch City Defenders. Kennard, we've been talking about uh, today about how bad things are right now with this moratorium in place. How worried are you about what's going to happen when that's lifted? Extremely worried. That's uh, that's pretty much our chief concern right now. Uh, as I said, you know, we've been this balloon has been filling up since last year and there hasn't been any real stimulus, nothing regular to help people stay on top of bills, nothing regular to help people stay alive. In fact, we've seen these stimulus talks go down and down, and we've seen these moratoriums get shorter and shorter, and I really don't think the people understand how much we need to keep these moratoriums in place. St. Louis, as a city, does not need another wave of homelessness. We're already struggling with homelessness right, right, right now. We're already struggling with violence. As we get to these situations of people being thrown out of their homes, it's only a matter of time before violence happens in this sort of situation, and we do not need that. And it's imperative that the people who make these decisions, the judges, understand that. One other thing I wanted to mention, as of early December, the city's rental assistance program had gotten more than 9,000 applications. And city officials said at that time that funds were insufficient to address all the requests they'd gotten. Do you know where things stand with that? Uh, yeah, uh, right now, you know, there's some difficulties with state funding, um, difficulties particularly uh, in dealing with entities like the MHDC and how money is being allotted to different areas in the state. That is something that we definitely need to stay on top of is making sure that urban centers get this rental assistance as well as the rural areas. So all we have, this we've been talking about, about how we're getting shorted on vaccines in the St. Louis region, is a similar thing going on with, with housing assistance funds? It's, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty tough situation right now. Um, you know, right now we're seeing a lot of this focus out there in those areas, but not as much in the urban areas. And hmm. people here also still need to live and deserve a place to live. Well, so, Kennard, this is all so terribly depressing, but it's so important to talk about. And, and so I'm glad you've been here to give us just this clear-eyed view. If somebody is listening to this and they're struggling right now and they're not even sure where to start, uh, what resources or what courses of action would you recommend? 
Um, I would recommend definitely uh, folks fill out a CDC, a federal CDC moratorium. If you're a renter and you're worried about being evicted imminently, you have to fill that moratorium out. You have to sign off on it and you have to send it to your landlord. You can take a picture of it and text it to them. You can email it to them. Just make sure you have a way to show that you have sent that. It certifies that this person is having economic hardship, that this person is doing their best to stay on top of rent. They understand that they still have to pay rent. But this is a piece that is right now that we're using as a lifeline to keep people in their homes. And, you know, unfortunately, the federal moratorium is weaker than the uh, local moratorium. And we need an extension of that to keep people in these who are in these situations where they don't have uh, adequate leases that would protect them normally. The federal moratorium doesn't address and protect those people. And that's a lot of people in St. Louis, particularly a lot of poor people. And if people are listening to this and they're actually doing okay, they've, they've got a roof over their heads and they're, be, they're making that mortgage, no problem. And they would like to help tenants who are in this situation. Uh, what would be your best suggestion on how we could do that? Uh, I think one of the best ways people can advocate to help tenants right now is one, call Governor Mike Parson and tell him to do his job and extend a statewide moratorium on evictions. That is what's needed right now. We are seeing people being put out of their homes all across the state. This has been continuing to happen and it will continue to happen. And our rates, like as we had, as you said, you know, our infection rates have been lowering. But mm -hmm. if people can't stay at home, we're inevitably going to see it spike back up again. People won't have a place to go. Already, our infrastructure for homelessness is being uh, supported by community efforts. And without, you know, any real way for people to provide for themselves with an aid package or stimulus, we're going to continue in this kind of downward spiral. Well, Kennard Williams, a lead organizer with Action St. Louis, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.